Conference. Alright, let's get it. Well, good morning, everyone. I mean, no pressure, right? My goodness. Um, so it is a pleasure to be here. I have been looking forward to this. I, uh, before she rushes off to the next thing, I got to give a little shout out to Bird. Bird has brought us back together after two years of being apart. Hey, what a you pleasure. Thank you for supporting me, Christy. I love you. I love you. you. I love you. All thank right, you. now go handle something somewhere else because we got it under control. We got it locked down. Yeah, you here. got it. But listen, it, you know, I am so excited about this panel and I'm so excited about this conversation. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about my, my journey to get here today. And I, and I wanted to make sure I wrote this on my very technical thing. Now, I don't want my team to get mad because I do have other talking points and I will get to those. So I tried to be intentional and I've been journaling lately. So I got up this morning and I have a little ritual and I lit a candle, a little candle that I actually bought at the DC pop-up store. And it was, uh, it was from the card bureau, women owned business. And I started to, you know, write my little thoughts down. Um, that candle's almost gone. My next candle is going to be from Solex, another women-owned business. Um, I'm almost finished with my current notebook, but my next notebook is going to be from Zenit, which is a women-owned business, beautiful, handcrafted notebooks, also run by a woman who happens to teach capoeira to my kids. But a uh, little side note there. Got dressed this morning. Shout out to Rocks and Glitter. Um, then I put on this necklace and I thought, is it too much? And then I was like, I'm gonna wear it anyway. And how come women always have to ask ourselves, is it too much? So we're gonna put a pin in that for some conversations with women. And how come we're always sort of editorializing for ourselves? This is too much. And this is made by a local maker whose name is Joy, and I forget her business, and so I will find that out, and I will Instagram it later. Um, there was lotion involved, and it was the lemon, and you can tell me which one it was. Lemon verbena. From Shay Aileen, from a maker you're about to meet. Um, on my way out the door, oh, Look, all of this doesn't stay frizzy by it's unfrizzy by itself. I'm just gonna grow. It's gonna grow, it's gonna rain later. So there was some hair oil that I had bought from the Spice Suite, another woman-owned business. And I think it was Tay-Tay's hair oil that I had run out of, but then I had bought my husband some beard oil. And it smelled nice too, so I just used that. Don't tell him, because I have more hair than he does. And so I used that and it, and it smelled nice. On the way out the door, I passed by some art that I have bought hither and yon, a beautiful piece of art um, that I actually bought at the, uh, the Anacostia Art Show, where's uh, Kiana has moved on, but uh, by BZ. And I have another piece of art that I also love by uh, Nia Katura Calhoun. And I say all this to say that women, you know, we are doing a lot of things. We are making things, we are creating things, we are deciding things, 
and it is incorporating all aspects of our lives, right? And so I, I set that as the foundation of She Made because then, you know, in addition to actual things, you know, we make people. I'm a mother of two. Well, let's just like stick a pin in that because that happens as we do other things. And we create community. And so when we're thinking about, you know, what we're talking about when we say she made, like she has made a lot of things over the years. And so when we talk about how we do it, I thought there's not, you know, three better people to talk about when we say she made than these beautiful women. So I'm going to keep it short, but I, well, it's not short anymore, but I'm going to introduce these women. And I want to talk about when we say she made, what does that mean? You know, we have business owners who are creating things. They are creating community. They are creating opportunities. Um, and so um, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and then get ready because there's a pop quiz for you. So introduce yourselves, two or three minutes. But that the final thing I want you all to offer up is something that you're grateful for. Thank you. I guess I will start. <laughs> uh, I just want to thank everyone uh, for being here, one, and this opportunity uh, to share my journey as an entrepreneur and a maker in D.C. My name is Rahma Wright. And my company is Shayaline, which is a D.C.-based social impact business I started after serving in the Peace Corps, and we create body care products. So our, our whole thing is looking at how to ethically source plant-based ingredients from women-owned cooperatives in West Africa, Ghana specifically, make products, <laughs> make products that are good for our customers because they're natural, they're not using toxic chemicals. And by building that, we create living wage jobs, increasing women's income by five times their country's minimum wage. And I, I started this journey um, because for me, I am black woman, I am African, I am an American, I live in so many different worlds and so many intersections, and I've been fortunate enough to travel to 36 countries, uh, 20 of them are on the continent of Africa, and everywhere I go, it, it never... it never ceases to surprise me that the people who struggle the most in any country I travel to are people who look like me. Are people who have my skin color, are people who have my hair texture, and are people who I have a common history with. And uh, even though I grew up in upstate New York, outside of Syracuse, in a middle class family, I can always identify with the struggles of people in the diaspora. And when I served as a Peace Corps volunteer and saw a lot of the issues around sustainability, around uh, African women, and a lot of the challenges that they're dealing with, you listed so many, and um, so many things in terms of what women represent. And I just saw a huge um, disconnect between what women in their traditional communities make and how that translates to the global marketplace. And the exclusion that happens for so many people, it was just baffling to me. And so I was in my early 20s, I had absolutely no business starting a business, but when I moved to DC, and I knew I always wanted to live in DC, so I moved to DC in 05, um, I decided to start this business. And with a very singular focus of eradicating rural poverty that has been systemic in a lot of these communities by connecting the dots between how they make their products and how that product gets to market. 
And so what I'm grateful for, I will say, on this journey, I've been an entrepreneur for over 15 years, and I'm most grateful for not giving up. Um, being black is hard. <laughs> being a woman is hard. And I've realized that we should stop thinking that life should be easy. Life is hard. That's just it. Like, life is hard. Um, and I'm just grateful that I didn't allow the challenges, the, you know, the moments where things were pushing me down to make me stop. Because I truly believe that when we, and when I say our, our collective we, when we really stand in our power and we, when we come together, we can be unstoppable. And so for me, it's the gratitude of being persistent and knowing that what I'm working for is the same thing Harriet Tubman worked for. And so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. No pressure, Adriana. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about this because this next person has been creating community and doing amazing work. So, Adriana. We all have our own stories. Yeah, and absolutely. Each one is beautiful. Absolutely. So there is no competition here. Absolutely. Um, my name is Adriana Mendoza. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm so blessed to have this opportunity to speak on behalf of Femme Fatale DC. I am one of the co-founders of, of this entity. Femme Fatale DC has been a lot of things to many, many people. To date, since we started in 2016, we have been supporting and nurturing women creatives, over 600 uh, women entrepreneurs and creatives, many have gone on to do their own thing, which is beautiful. Um, but today, what we are is we are a grassroots retail venture. And we are more than just a storefront. We have had six pop-ups. That has always been our model, where we pop up, then we pop back down. Um, and it has served us really well because we have been able to help incubate all of our entrepreneurs to understand their market base. So we've done this on purpose, um, going into different neighborhoods and trying to, um, you know, have the B2C, right? The, the, the business to customer experience. Um, and to have our entrepreneurs invest in themselves by really testing out their products in many, many different types of environments. Um, one of the things that I, I guess the easiest way, it's really hard to explain what Femme Fatale DC is, is because there's so much energy that goes into everything that we do. That energy and that magic that we that we create is because we are grassroots, which means that we have our entrepreneurs, our community, actually help build our physical space. They come and they paint, they come and they build, they have their products in there. Anything that needs to get done, gets done. We actually did not get funding for anything that we did until 2020, and we wanted it that way. We wanted to make sure that we could sustain ourselves and that ultimately is what our business is about is teaching each other that we have to be self-reliant. And if 2020 taught us anything is that we are all on our own. Um, we are in this market economy, but we have the power to begin thinking in alternative economies. And so then Fatel DC the way that I like to put it is um, we are the pebble that hits the water and we create the ripple. 
We are the agitators, we are the disruptors, we are the change makers to help people um, get into business and make a stand for themselves and make a life for themselves. And so we definitely inspire um, our creatives to take charge of their, um, their income and in turn their fate. Because when you have control over your fate, you walk differently, you talk differently, and different types of opportunities come to you. So that's a little bit about Femfatel DC. Oh, I am grateful for all of the people that have come into my life, um, especially since 2016. Um, you're correct, life is not easy. It has been extremely challenging. I am really grateful for being consistent. Um, I can thank my, my, the, co the other co-founder for um, reminding me that consistency is key um, and that all these creatives that I have been in contact with have shown me who I am and that I've also then been able to reflect that back to them. So I'm just grateful for the community that we built. All right. And... Hello, hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Anika Barnes. And I am the owner and curator of Neighbors DC, formerly known as Neighbors Diverse Community. I'm also the owner and happy baker over at A Contemporary Market and Bakery. Um, okay. Can I start off with what I'm grateful for first? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm grateful for God. God is amazing. God is omnipotent. God is powerful. God is anointing. And I'm a testament of all of those things. So I'm grateful for God. Um, my business started off in 2020, I believe, in the butt of the pandemic. I was actually working at Steadfast Supply. Shout out to Virginia and team. Um, and, you know, the pandemic came about and I was like, I need to leave simply because it didn't make sense to commute back and forth to Maryland and DC. I was living in Maryland. I still live in, in Maryland. Um, and I started doing this Monday cooking show on my Instagram stories and I was baking and I was creating these gourmet recipes and it was cool. Um, and Adriana from Femme Vital was actually following me at the time. Um, and as the months went by, my unemployment just like all of a sudden stopped, <laughs> like for 13 weeks, y'all. <laughs> but I was hustling on the side. I was doing social media, um, promoting and doing all of that freelance work. Um, I reached out to Femme Fatale because I started repurposing clothes as well. I'm a happy creative. Um, and she said, hey, um, do you want to bring some cupcakes to the pop-up as well. Um, so I applied to be in their store, but I think, I don't know what was happening at the time, but I applied to be in the store. She pivoted and she said, hey, come to the pop-up instead. It was successful. It was my first ever pop-up. Um, I baked, the cupcakes weren't that great, but I was confident and no one had to know <laughs> that I felt they weren't that great. Um, but people came out and they showed love. And it's funny you mentioned um, you give entrepreneurs a start. Um, and like, sorry, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> um, you give entrepreneurs a start and Femme Fatale definitely made me feel like wow, I can really do this. I can 
bake my goods. I can be this fashion creative. I can be anyone who I want to be. And I know this sounds like the generic, I can be who I want to be, but honestly, y'all, you can literally do whatever you want to do. Sometimes God will put you in situations where you have to pivot, where you have to change your mindset and you have to do it swiftly. Um, and I was so grateful that I walked by faith and not by sight and the opportunity came about. Um, so a contemporary market and bakery started off you know, in Maryland, segued into DC. And from that, Neighbors DC came about. Neighbors Diverse Community is a community rooted pop up and creative hive for small, local, and independent brands in the DMV. If you have a small business, if you're thinking of starting a small business, come through. There's a space for you. Um, currently, we're partnered with Lululemon and Union Market DC. Um, and we have other partners like um, the Washington Housing Conservancy. Um, who else? A few other um, businesses, small businesses and conglomerates. Our newest um, partner is, is Steadfast Supply down at the Yards. So we start on the 16th. So you can definitely come out, shop small, shop local. We have an amazing curation of vendors and they come from all over the DMV. <laughs> so... When uh, Bird and I were sort of talking about doing a, a She Made panel, I thought bringing together curators was probably one of the best ways to sort of approach this topic because these are women who are artists and people who are also helping bring creatives along. But I want to find out, by a show of hands, I now got a pop quiz for the audience because this is a, you know, this is a participation sort of thing because, you know, Women are collaborative. <laughs> All right, so I want you guys raise a hands, with a show of hands. How many people in the room? Oh, good. You're here just in time. <laughs> raise your hand if you consider yourself a creative. All right, very good. Good. Raise your hand if you make money doing your creative thing. Raise your hand if you support yourself full time doing your creative thing. Raise your hand if you hire employees. All right. That's okay. Come on, raise them high, guys. Raise them high. Be, be proud. Um, raise your hand if you wish somebody had given you a roadmap. <laughs> raise your hand if somebody had ever told you that you were crazy to be doing what you're doing. Raise your hand if you know your profit margin. Oh, come on, guys. All right, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, listen, I'm the director of DSLBD. I had to throw that question in there. I have to. And that's because, as my team also knows, and I'm going to have to say that I have to say this almost every time, as Kate knows, if you are doing a, an activity and you're charging money, but you don't know if you're making money, you may have a very expensive hobby. So I'm here for the real talk, right? So we're gonna get, we're gonna get around to that and DSLBD can help you distinguish between expensive hobbies and money-making ventures. And so, and to that end, I want my team to raise their hands. All right, woohoo, DSLBD in the house. Um, raise your hand if you are in an industry that does not have a lot of people that look like you. 
Raise your hand if you feel like you had to make your own community. Um, all right, so let's just give a panelist a sense of sort of the, the, the kind of the people in the room. So, and then I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and then we're going to let you all ask some questions, right? So, I have to jump kind of to the to the end on something here because this is a, a she made panel, and I'm going to I'm going to start with something. Anika said two things that I want to sort of talk about because I think this happens to creatives and I also think this happens with women. Especially creative women. It could happen. Okay. So Anika gave herself the air quotes with the gourmet food, right? You know, as even as I was getting dressed, I was like, is this really, is this necklace too much? Um, I will say that when I was running my business, I was making thousands of cupcakes a day. I was on CNN worldwide and uh, social media and, you know, doing a pretty darn good job for years, but still seemed to stumble in my own mouth and in my own mind before I would call myself a baker. Right? And so creatives seem to sort of have these hurdles before we will take ourselves seriously. And I think that is something that also makes it hard for us to price appropriately and to consider what we do a, a business. And so I want to ask the panel, like for yourselves and for the, the products in your markets, is it just me? Am I alone? Am I the only one that ever had that problem? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so at all. I think that. Um, and it, let me take a step back and, and just say this: um, I, I I had no business starting a business. Really, I was in my early twenties. I didn't have any money. Uh, I moved to a new city. I I knew one person in DC, and I had to build my network from scratch. I had to, you know, go go it alone for for a very long time. And I think that what you're talking about is, I think it's not only with creatives, I think it's simply the reality of growing up in a society that oftentimes undermines us, whether you're from a racial perspective or gender perspective. And, yeah, or, and yeah, everyone was like, oh, she's so cute. Look at her trying to do something. Like go get a PhD, go get a master's degree, go get an MBA, don't start a business. Um, and so I think that we oftentimes have that like critical mindset because it's in the environment. Um, and I think sometimes too, our parents might, because they don't want us to feel bad if we try something and we fail at it, that it's like always give, always be doubtful. Always don't be too confident. Don't ever think that you can do something. But honestly, on this journey, I absolutely think part of it is believing you can do something and naming it and being very specific about what you're trying to achieve. And don't let anyone kind of talk you out of what you believe in your heart and your spirit. Um, and I think that was all I had when I started Shea Lee was I can do this. And that evolved over time into not only being about me and my brand, but also about 
who else in my community needs support and needs to be uplifted? And I really think it's important that we say this, everyone in this room is not a competitor with each other. Black people, we are not competitors with each other. People of color, we are not competitors with each other. We actually go further when we're lifting each other up. And that's what everyone on this panel is doing, is using the little that we have. Because the reality of it, we don't really have all the money. We don't really have all the relationships and the connections, right? But we have something. And if we share that across our community, it's a multiplier effect. What I do in my community multiplies. What she does in her community multiplies. What she does in her community multiplies. And so um, in 2018, I started doing these pop-ups and I, it was very, very informal. It was, I have a space, it's the holiday season. Who else wants to come into the space and sell some products? It was never meant to be anything beyond that. And then it evolved into having six pop-ups since 2018 in four different, four or five different locations, partnering with DSLBD and working with primarily women-owned and minority-owned businesses who make their own products, um, whether it's jewelry, clothing, apparel, um, home goods. And now we have a pop-up in DuPont Circle, 1224 Connecticut Avenue, for those of you who ever roll through DuPont. And to go back to your question, what I see in the community is people are proud of their work and proud of the products that they make, and they really want to grow and scale and build their businesses. But there is this um, mindset oftentimes of not taking up all the space that I think we should take up, especially when you're being an entrepreneur. Take up as much space as possible. Um, and for me, what that means is not only to push yourself forward, but to also push the other people in your community forward as well. I think there's a scarcity mindset. I think people feel like if I tell you that I'm applying for the dream grants, I don't want you to compete with me for the dream grants, right? And, and there, you know, there's a discrete amount of money available, right? But I also think that that scarcity mindset keeps everybody small. And, and I think that that scarcity mindset will keep everyone in a tiny box, Right. And I think that when you have Femme Fatale, when you have, you know, when you have the pop ups and the collaboratives, then all of the brands are bigger. Everything in Femme Fatale is bigger. Everything that comes into the and I, I don't want to get over the neighborhood, the neighbors, DC, neighbors, DC. Yeah, neighbors, DC, because then you're not going just for cookies or just for you know one product or just for earrings. You're coming for everything. Or maybe we're coming for cookies. But you never just leave just with the cookies, right? And I think that's what ends up happening because the brands of many things come together. And then everyone, you know, a rising tide can raise all boats. But I think that when we move from fear base or scarcity, and you know, and honestly, like the establishment says the director of the Department of Small Local Business Development, says the lady from the government. But like, you know, it works when certain people stay small. It works when certain people stay small, right? I just wanted to touch on that um, because I think it's not just a creative issue. I think it's a human issue that when we are brought into this world, we are put into the system 
that um, is meant to um, exploit us, to be extractive, to create that scarcity mindset. And the market economy, it works perfectly. It, it is doing, there's not a problem with the market economy. It works perfectly the way that it was supposed to, to function. And that is, even for what I see in five years working with all these entrepreneurs, I see the scarcity mindset um, when they begin coming in. And that's one thing that we're working on programming of getting out of that scarcity mindset um, because we see people investing in themselves, but they're not investing in each other. And that is the key to making sure that you are successful and that everybody in your community is successful as well. So the creatives, we we have a challenges, but at the core, it's a human issue. And at Femme Fatale, yes, we nurture and support creatives, but it's for community as well. Like we have three different customer base. We have the entrepreneur, we have the community, right? And then we have the consumer as well. And so um, I just invite all of us to begin really tapping into our own um, our own talents and skill sets and begin relying on ourselves because that's what it's, that's how we're going to get out of this, um, out of the system. But it's terrifying, right? I mean, I will say, you know, so I've said I'm a mother of children, right? So my son was working on a project and he wanted to do the easiest thing in the project with his friends. And I had to say to him, I was like, buddy, if I was on this project, I would want to kick you off. He's like, but I want to, I'll just, I'll be the one that staples it together. And I was like, I was like, kid, nobody wants to be with that guy. Like, you're like, seriously, they're going to vote you off this island. Never be that guy. Never be a Whitfield and be that guy. I, I, I cannot allow it. And he doubled down and then we had one of those moments and I was like, okay, your friends might allow this, but you need to understand mommy has three assignments for you and you will not see a screen until this and this and this happen. Your friends are going to allow that nonsense. You will not turn on anything electronic until the following things happen. And he was so mad, but I was like, part of it is teaching ourselves and each other how to collaborate and participate. But I think it is scary because you don't want to be the sucker. He's like, wait a minute, he got the same grade and he just stapled, right? We, we all got we all got threes, we all got threes and he just stapled. But I think, you know, eventually the ones that just staple, they get booted out, right? And I think that, you know, maybe talk about how you manage the environment, you know? Because you've all, I, you know, I'm aware, not everybody is, you know, contributing in the ecosystem. Look at their faces. I had to learn that. I had to, and I'm finally at the acceptance that um, not everybody that does participate in our pop-ups um, is going to participate 100%. And it hurt me for a very long time. Um, and it bothered me for a very long time. And there was actually a lot of anger and resentment because people weren't showing up. But then I had to look at my blessings, right? There's always two sides to a story. And the blessings were the people that were showing up. The people who are really investing in themselves when they come into Femfetel DC, right? And it's not my job. It is, I have too many things to do in this world to support people, to support myself, to 
try to beg people to show up for other people. And I also have to forgive too, because it's not their fault. They are in a system that, that it's, it's the hustle culture. They got to worry about themselves. They got to do what they need to do. And that's cool. Um, but our mission is always the same. That's how we stay successful is that no matter what, we're going to continue to work on creating economic liberation for women entrepreneurs, right? If you show up, cool. If you don't show up, awesome. We're still here and we're doing what we said that we were going to do. Mm-hmm. I so wanted to say something yeah, oh, yeah, on, okay. on what right. you said. Um, I think another great way to create community and to have things circulate is to have funds and money circulate back into the community. And we can do that within the pop-ups themselves. Like my pop-ups are $80. However, when you come, I'm not taking anything from you. Um, When I started out baking, my cookies were three dollars and they were huge and then um i had a customer him and his wife they actually came and said hey you're selling them really cheap up the price so i upped them to 475 long story short now my cookies are seven dollars because i raised my price because i recognize the value of what i'm doing a great way to do that yeah you measure your products and all that stuff but Check on how you feel after you're done doing all of this. How much is that worth? Once you raise those prices, you feel so confident to tell the next person in the community, hey, sis, you need to raise those prices. Dude, like you're making quality stuff, raise those prices. And that way you're able to, one, show up. And two, when you're at the pop-ups, you're able to serve your neighbor as well. You know, like buy from them. I have earrings from Mutaney's Pockets. I have bracelets from Fa and Nijie. They're $35 a piece, but they're worth it. She sources them from Ghana. Like everything is handcrafted in Ghana. Everything is handcrafted in Kenya. So I think learn also to bring that money back within the spaces you're in. Well, and to Adriana's point, the, the market will tell you, right? If those, car, if those cookies were $15, then you'd be like, oh, wait a minute. No one's buying the cookies, right? <laughs> so let me let me open up those questions. I have more questions, but... Oh. <laughs> Well, first of all, uh, we're moving next to Mary's building, uh, Market 7, uh, on Benning Road. Uh, so that's what's next. Uh, I, but I, I want to really quickly touch on what was talked about in terms of the community. And some people will do the work and some people won't do the work. And I couldn't agree more. Move with the people who will do the work. Instead of, you know, trying to, like, change people's thinking and mindset... Everyone has grown. We're all adults. I've reached a point in my life where it's like, this is what I'm building, this is what I'm doing. If you're on it, great. If you're not, okay, we'll see you when we see you. And it's not meant to be a harsh way of thinking, but it's like you will spend so much time trying to get people on board when there are other people who are already ready and at the level that you're trying to work at. So I think that's really important, especially in our community. And the thing is, is that when you start growing and scaling, the people who weren't engaged earlier, they might come back around. 
right? And, you know, and so for me, um, the way we run our pop-ups is very different because I tried to do the pop-ups where it was like, oh, kumbaya, we're all going to take a shift and you come in here and, and people wouldn't show up. And it was on my name and it was under my business. And so here I am trying to run my business and now having to take on the extra burden of running these stores on behalf of people who weren't showing up. So we completely changed our model. And what we do is we run it like a retail store. 45% of sales goes to support staffing and goes to support the expenses of the pop-up. And, you know, it's people because people don't show up like that's just it's just a reality like people won't show up oh something happened my car broke down my you know all these excuses but anyway that's another story in terms of what's next um i am building uh the first beauty maker space in this country to support early stage beauty entrepreneurs so I can pass on the knowledge that I have developed over the last 15 plus years so that people who look like me can take advantage of the $96 billion industry, which is the natural organic personal care industry. How this product is made is important. Who makes this product is important. More of us need to understand how to make these products and get those products into distribution. Macy's, a couple weeks ago, made a $5 billion commitment to diversity and inclusion within their supply chain. We sell to Macy's. Nobody is building the pipeline so that more people who look like me can sell into Macy's or Target or wherever or just sell on their own websites. So the facility is going to be state-of-the-art, completely set up so that people can walk in, use tabletop manufacturing to make 10 products, 20 products, 30 products, 100 products, or they can work with our in-house team to make 100,000 products. And it's in partnership with DC government. Um, I have to just give you a shout out because she has, everything everyone has said about Director Whitfield is just true. Um, Her support of the small business community and economy in DC is unmatched. It's unmatched. I'm sitting here building out this space because of the investments that she and her team, Shannon, Kate, you guys are amazing believed in me, supported me, provided me with grants, provided me with time, right? Meaning when you help a small business get to the next step, it then gives us the ability to get to the next step. And that's what you do. And that's what your office does. And so, um, you know, when I started this idea of creating this facility, I was like, I'm going to raise a million dollars. I'm, you know, that's what I'm going to do. To what you just said, I'm on target now to raise five million dollars <laughs> and the reason why i priced myself too low i was like oh it's gonna be so hard to raise a million dollars and it was easy and then it turned into two <laughs> and now it's like but i'm not, and i'm not saying that because a lot of times too we we throw out big numbers and it's like oh wow that's amazing you're being successful and it's not even about that but it's about there's so it's about the fact that there's so much need in our community. There we need so much, but the thing is, is that we are also our own solutions. We can't wait for anyone to come and save us. How many hundreds of years have we lived in this country and in this world? We have to save ourselves. And that means being bold, putting it out there. 
and saying to yourself, how can I build community, but not in a but in a way that is taking on multi-billion dollar industries and taking back ownership? Because the, the truth of the matter is black people used to own manufacturing and built in beauty. Madam CJ Walker. You know, the uh, not luster products and the oil sheen and all of those people, those were black owned businesses and they were bought out by conglomerates. So now we are the number one consumers of beauty products that we don't even make. And they're not even made for us and to work for us. So imagine taking back control of manufacturing. We have manufacturing facilities here that we are making our own products and we can, are able to replicate it across the country. So that is what's next for, for us. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is next for Femme Fatale DC is we are transitioning from our pop-up model to being permanent in DC. So we are purchasing our first space um, in Cleveland Park. It was our space last year. And this is huge. This is huge because it is women owned, it is black and Latina ex owned, it is queer owned, and it is community built. That is so empowering for us to know that we Again, we, we chose to do the pop-up model, but it was hard. It was tiring, and we were at the mercy um, of the building owners. We didn't know when our lease would end because we had an agreement with them. Um, and this, again, we have, we're creating our own fate now, and we don't have to answer to anybody. We didn't really answer to anybody before. That's just how we rolled, but... Um, this is huge because this is going to allow us to expand. Um, we are actually, uh, I can't put too much out there, but we are in the next two years going to be uh, opening up something similar. I mean, it's not beauty, but um, a space, a warehouse space um, for entrepreneurs where it's all in-house. So we have a whole team, photographers, we have a podcast place, we have place where you can print your own prints the the bottles that you need for your candles and your for your lotions and all of that are there and you will also be able to have the the proper incubation um something that i've dreamed out about for so long um but i just couldn't get there because uh it's taken five years for me to get out of the weeds and uh now we finally have the the capital to also hire staff, um, which is huge. Yeah. Um, so that is what is next for us. I'm super excited about that. Very nice. I feel like so overflowed right now. <laughs> um, what's next for Neighbors DC? We are coming up on our first year um, in July. 
So what is next is more collaborations, more partnerships. Um, again, currently I am partners with Lululemon and I haven't announced to everybody else yet, but our partnership is coming to an end. Lululemon is a pop-up and um, unfortunately they are closing the store, but we have another stellar partnership lined up waiting to um, let all of the vendors know. This time we'll be able to curate up to 12 vendors at a time. Each vendor will be able to have their own tent space. It is in a prime location. Walk score is moderate to high. So I am excited. Also, folks, if you do run a small business, um, all of the pop-ups moving forward until we're able to find a prime location like Lululemon will be curated. So get your packaging on point. Get your websites on point. The partners want to pick and choose and have a say this time. So I want to make sure that everyone is prepared. Everyone is excited to win. My goal is for vendors to come out and say, I made three G's last weekend at Neighbors DC. So um, I'm excited for all of that. <laughs> That's great. So I think one of the things that I hear about this is where, you know, everyone is progressing. You know, and as people are thinking about their businesses, you know, something that I push with every business owner, whether they are just beginning or whether they are, you know, 18 years in, is building your business as a wealth building entity, not a job. Because sometimes you have a business and it still feels like a job. And, you know, when you are owning your property, when you are owning your manufacturing process you are owning the capacity within your business and so I think you know even giving people the opportunity to own the way their stuff is curated you know is helping people with their economic self-determination and so you see this sort of stages of evolution right here and I think it is super exciting um, you know I'm over this time but I want to see if I, I'm sure there's more questions yes Um, okay, so I moved out of my aunt's house and um, moved into this space. I live alone um, in Silver Spring, and when I started, you know, the business and I bought the LLC and all of that, you know, um, I knew that God wanted me to do it full time, so I wasn't working for anybody else. Um, so trials and tribulations of trying to overcome this idea that I can do it and that I will and that I will do it and that um, when I'm in business it sometimes gets lonely and not trying to um, there's no problem in reaching out but when you're running a small business it gets lonely and you have to do things alone people are going to disappoint you people are going to make false promises and it's it's not on them it's not on you it's just how life works you just have to be able to be grounded enough i i read scripture um i'm very connected to god i i read my bible i call on the power of jesus because i believe in that power um and and that really does help me to stay grounded i know that 
yeah, I'm crying at 3 a.m., but at 6 a.m., I have to get up and I have to go out and get this job done. Like, no one's going to feel sorry for you. And, 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 you know, the first couple years you're there wanting people to feel sorry for you, wanting people to feel your pain. But unless you speak out, unless you make a way for yourself or unless you speak out, nothing's going to change. You have to do it and you're doing it. So I'm excited to see you do it. If you want to pop up with us and give us some live music, I'm open to that as well. (laughs) I want to tell a terrible story. And Kate's heard this story. It's a tale of Shamrock Fest. So, when we were in a cupcake truck, and trucks go to festivals all the time, and we took this advice, which was, if 30,000 people come to Shamrock Fest, and about 10% of them buy cupcakes, then, you know, bring 3,000 cupcakes to Shamrock Fest. No. No. Because Shamrock Fest, as it turns out, is really about the beer and the music. Shamrock Fest is about drinking. It's not about cupcakes at all. And in my mind now, it was also raining, but I think that's also just how I felt inside. As drunk people were sort of hanging on my window and like, oh, what are you having here? Oh, this is well. And so then I had, you know, 3,000 cake pop ingredients. I don't remember how many we sold, but it was not 3,000. So you have to take into account more than just how many people are coming. That's a lesson I never forgot. You learn through your mistakes and you never forget them. You never forget them. So you got to take the advice. You pick yourself up and you learn. And you never forget. And, you know, and one of my mentors was like, well, that was expensive. We call that tuition. He thought that was funny. I did not think that was funny. At the time, and I can sort of smile bitterly through my tears. You are going to make mistakes. And if you swing for the fences you might make spectacular mistakes. That is okay. Make spectacular mistakes. It is okay. You will be okay. Keep going, right? And please do yourself the service of not trying to pretend and hide. We have all made spectacular mistakes. And the only people that don't fail are the people that don't try. Right? So everyone who's laughing at you is just trying to warm themselves in the blanket of their own regret. Forget those people. Call us because we have all failed spectacularly. (laughs) It is going to be all right. Okay? (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we are over time, guys. I am so grateful to these women. I am so grateful to my team. DSLBD is here for you dslbd.dc.gov create do it try it you know and then try again all right all right thanks everybody 